Good morning, everybody. And what a great day it is. Beautiful day out there. And I um, want to thank our praise team. Great job today. Thank you, guys. And our graduate, Max, on the piano. <laughs> awesome job. Um, and look at the decorations on the stage. I mean, Denise and her team did a terrific job of putting all this together. And, of course, Vacation Bible School starts next Sunday evening. So um, if you hadn't volunteered yet, let Denise know that, hey, maybe I could give uh, one night of duty and help out in any way. I'm sure she would appreciate that. But um, looking forward to that, and please keep that in prayer as we uh, sort of get ready for Vacation Bible School. I read about a Bible college student who sort of felt like he needed a scriptural basis for everything that he would do. And he felt like he needed the Bible book, chapter, and verse to approve of his actions. And he did all right with that until he caught the eye of this beautiful girl in his class. He wanted very much to take her on a date and to kiss her, but he just couldn't find a scripture basis to support his wishes. So he would simply walk her to the dorm at the end of the evening and look her deeply in the eyes and say, good night and be off. And this went on for several weeks, and all the time he was searching for a Bible verse, trying to find some scripture to give him the approval, some reason to give her a kiss good night. Finally, one evening, as he walked her to the dorm, once again, starting to tell her good night and spin around and run off. She grabbed him, pulled him towards her, and planted a 10-second kiss right on the lips. And at the end of the kiss, he sort of gasped for air, and he stepped back a little bit, and he stammered, Bible verse, Bible verse. And the girl grabbed him a second time, and just before landing another kiss on him, said, Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. <laughs> Our core 52 lesson this week was on that verse, maybe not in that, uh, <laughs> with that in consideration, but uh, you get the picture. Jesus was teaching a new way of thinking. We know that our culture tends to look at life a little differently than we do. Our culture tends to push us towards selfish interactions with others. Uh, our culture teaches, for example, do to others before they do to you. <laughs> so that's sort of a self-protection thing. Our culture sometimes teaches do to others so they will do for you. This could be like selfish ambition. Our culture teaches do to others what they have done to you. This is selfish revenge. Our culture can also teach do to others after you do for yourself, which is self-promotion. But Jesus taught our big idea of the day. Do to others what you would have them do to you. This is selfless love. In Matthew 7, verse 12, we read, So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. Now, 
that would have been culturally shocking to those who heard it, even to many people today. In fact, as, as I was preparing the message, I saw that other people think that they've come up with an even better saying, a better motto, a better rule for living. It's called the platinum rule. Anybody here seen or heard this? It sort of came out of the business world. Dave Kirpin authored a book called The Art of People, in which he wrote, we all grow up learning about the simplicity of the golden rule. Do unto others as you would have them do to you. It's a splendid concept except for one thing. Everyone is different, and the truth is that in many cases what you'd want done to you is different from what your partner, employee, customer, investor, wife, or child would want done to him or her. So he came up with this rule, the platinum rule. Do unto others as they would want done to them. <laughs> I, I mean, I get the point. I don't have to agree with it, but I get it. I, I think Dave missed the point. That's exactly what Jesus is getting at. You treat people the way they want to be treated or you know you would want to be treated. You want to treat people as well as you can, you, as, as you would want to be treated, which in many ways of thinking is to treat them in the way they want to be treated or need to be treated. To best understand, let's consider this context of what Jesus was speaking you see, first of all, the golden rule fulfills the law of love. Jesus was speaking about fulfilling the law and the prophets. And if you look after the other person before you look after yourself, you are fulfilling the law. So let's look at this in the context in which Jesus spoke it. We go back to Matthew 7 and we go to verse 7 and we begin reading... Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who seeks finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? If you then, though you were evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask Him? So in everything, do to others what you would have them do to you, for this sums up the law and the prophets. You know, when you, when you look at this at first glance, it doesn't look like the verses just before verse 12 have anything to do with verse 12. But Jesus is talking about God giving good gifts to those who ask and then finishes with the golden rule. What, what is the connection? I think Jesus is highlighting God's love and God's generosity. I believe he's highlighting God's grace and mercy because how often have we received these things from God even when we've messed up? Then Jesus points out that we're already implementing this to a degree when it comes to our own children. We show them love and generosity. We show them grace and mercy. 
We don't give them everything they want, just like God doesn't give us everything we want. God does what's in our best interest, and we, out of love, do likewise for our children. But then Jesus takes it a step further by challenging us to show that kind of love even to others, not just our children, but to all people. Treat others the way you are treated by God. Show God's love to others. Show God's generosity to others. Show God's grace and mercy to the people that are around you. These are the things you would want done for you. So, go and do them for others. The golden rule sums up the law and the prophets because it is all about love. Loving God and loving others. That's what Jesus said the two greatest commandments were all about, right? The golden rule has love as its driving force. Look over in Romans chapter 13, beginning in verse 8. Let no debt remain outstanding except the continuing debt to love one another. For whoever loves others has fulfilled the law. The commandments, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not murder, you shall not steal, you shall not covet, whatever other commands there may be, are summed up in this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. Love does, not ha does no harm to a neighbor, therefore love is the fulfillment of the law. You see, the golden rule is about how we love other people. What are we willing to do to show that love? Do we love so much that we're willing to risk something? I, I know that down through history, we've seen examples of people who were willing to risk something for others. And I read a story about uh, the, the people of Bulgaria in March of 1943 had become aligned with the Nazis, they, they, the government had at least, and they received orders from Berlin that they were to begin implementing the final solution, the extermination of the Jewish people in Bulgaria and deport them tr to Treblinka. The king of Bulgaria and the parliament did not want to fulfill this order, but they passed it because they knew, you know, the, Hitler was in control. But the people of Bulgaria began to wonder what would happen to their Jewish neighbors and friends. The railroad cars were lined up hundreds long, and the Jewish people in three towns were gathered at a local elementary school and then placed on the trains. Now, Plata was one of the towns where this was taking place. The Jewish people were told to bring only what they could carry, and they were placed behind chain-link fence at the school, and they knew what was going to happen. They began to cry out to their neighbors, tell them goodbye, with tears streaming down their face. When he heard the news, there was an Orthodox bishop named Carell who came to investigate and see for himself. And when he saw that it was true, 
He cried out, children, the Christians of this country will not allow this to happen to you. I will not allow this to happen to you. I will lay my body on these tracks and they will have to run over my body. This will not happen to you. He and the people of that town began to speak out and others began to speak out. Several members of parliament stood up and spoke, but they were relieved of their offices and never served again in politics. But the people refused to let the trains leave. Months later, on June the 7th, 1943, the German ambassador to Bulgaria wrote this back to Berlin. I'm firmly convinced that the ambassador and the parliament wish and strive for a radical final solution to the Jewish problem. However, they are hindered by the mentality of the Bulgarian people who lack the ideological enlightenment we have. Think about that. You know, I would say <laughs> that what they were enlightened about was the teaching of Jesus. Do unto others as you would have done to you. Now, we know on this side of history that the Nazis killed six million Jews. However, because of the Christians of Bulgaria and them taking seriously this golden rule and having the love and moral courage to take a stand for what they believed, every one of those 49,000 Jews of Bulgaria were saved. Not a single one of them were killed. Karel was willing to lay down his life in order to try to save the lives of others. That is the golden rule. And it fulfills the law of sacrificial love. But it even goes beyond that. The golden rule applies to everyone, even our enemies. And this might be a hard pill to swallow. We can't think that because someone has not been a good friend or family member that they don't qualify for me to treat them by the golden rule. And we can't even think that we don't have to treat our enemies by the golden rule. We go to Luke chapter 6, and we begin reading in verse 27. But to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other also. Someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to the one who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. And then verse 31, do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good to those who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. And then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because He is kind to the ungrateful 
<coughs> and the wicked, be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Now, I tell you, that's pretty extreme, isn't it? What Jesus is calling for. That is culturally shocking in any culture to say, love your enemies, pray for them. And this is how you live out the golden rule, because the golden rule applies even to our enemies. I don't think Jesus is saying that we should be looking for opportunities to be taken advantage of. Um, I, I don't think that's what he's saying. But Jesus is teaching something radical and downright impossible to do without Him and without His Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit is the one who enables us to look at people from a different vantage point. We're programmed to not put up with mistreatment without a fight, without retaliating in some way. But we know that Jesus didn't just teach this, Jesus lived this. He dealt with mistreatment without retaliating. People abused Jesus, but he never came out of his character. He always treated others the way he would be treated. He loved even his enemies. You might say, well, that was Jesus. Well, listen, friends, the power that enabled Jesus to do this will also enable you to do this. If you were a born-again Christian, Jesus, the Holy Spirit, will enable you to love people in that way. And Jesus highlights that we need to be different. The non-believer knows how to be nice to those who are nice to them. I mean, think about it. Everybody can do that. But Jesus calls us to a higher standard. And living by the golden rule is that higher standard. What kind of impact does it have when we do what is uncommon? Some may think of us as crazy or weak. I mean, that's the way some people look at Jesus, like he was crazy or he was weak. But there will also be those who see what is special in that kind of lifestyle. And that's what it's about, drawing people in so they have the opportunity to be drawn to Jesus. Now, there are plenty of other religions and teachings that have variations on the golden rule, but none of them come close to what Jesus called us to do. And so when asked, who is my neighbor, you might remember Jesus' response was to tell a parable of the Good Samaritan. And without going into a lot of detail, you probably remember the story of the Good Samaritan, how there was a Jewish man on the way, and he was beaten and left for dead by some bandits, and along comes a couple of Jewish religious leaders, and they see their religious brother, their blood brother, laying on the road, dying, and they sort of pass by on the other side. They don't want to get involved. But the Samaritan, whom the Jews hated and considered bitter enemies, when he saw this man, he had compassion for him and stopped and helped him. So basically, Jesus was saying that everyone's your neighbor, even those that you might consider an enemy. Jesus 
is telling us to put ourselves in other people's shoes. If, if we truly follow the golden rule, we will begin to see other people differently. You might remember in James chapter 2 and verse 8, if you really keep the royal law found in Scripture, love your neighbor as yourself, you are doing right. Love them as yourself. That's what it's about. The care and the concern that we have for others, we impart on someone else. You know, it's so easy to have a, a, a better you than me attitude when someone's facing trouble or different circumstances. I mean, it can be difficult. We, we can think, man, I'm glad I'm not facing what they're facing. But how often do we have the attitude of, I wouldn't like it if this was happening to me. So I'm going to reach out and help that other person. The golden rule is about putting yourself in someone else's shoes. It's thinking about what you would want someone to do if you were in their place. I read this story about a young man named Chad. Chad was in the second grade. He was a little slower than the other children. And sometimes they would shun Chad. They might make fun of Chad. They might mock Chad. A couple of weeks before Valentine's Day, Chad came home and he told his mother that he wanted to make cards for everyone in his class. Now she knew how many of those children treated her son. But she went and she purchased the paper and the glue and the crayons. And together uh, that night and the, the day, Chad painstakingly made 35 Valentine's cards. Valentine's Day came and Chad was beside himself with excitement. I mean, he carefully stacked all those cards together and he put them in his bag and he ran out the door ready for school. His mother decided that she was going to bake him his favorite cookie and serve, serve them up warm when he got home because she was thinking he's going to be disappointed. He's going to give all these kids these cards and not one of them is going to think of him. Not one of them is going to give him a card. And he's just going to come home and he's going to be devastated. You know how we as parents see our children hurt and how that hurts us when they're mistreated. That was Chad's mom. So that afternoon when she heard the school bus come back, she looked out the window waiting for Chad and sure enough, here came the group of kids getting out of the bus. And they were laughing and having the best of times. And as always, there was Chad coming up the rear. He was walking a little faster than usual. She fully expected him to burst through the door with tears because his arms would be empty. When the doors opened, she choked back tears Mommy has some warm cookies and milk for you, Chad. But he hardly heard her voice. I mean, he just kept going. He marched right by her. And all he would say is, not a one. Not a one. Of course, she's thinking he didn't get a single Valentine's card. And then 
He said, I didn't forget a single person in my class, Mom. Not a one. You see, his focus was not on getting a card, but on making sure he didn't forget anyone. And he was happy that he hadn't forgotten a single one. That's what living out the golden rule looks like. It means when I give or help, I'm not looking for anything in return. It means I will live by this principle regardless of whether someone responds to me or not. I think I would call this little boy Golden Chad. What about us? How golden are we? That, that is the shocking way of life. Uh, that Jesus calls us to live in a culture that is mostly looking after itself. Do to others what you would have them do to you. Father, we thank you for the teaching of Jesus, but also for his example. Because we know he lived out the golden rule. I pray, Father, that you would forgive us for acting so selfishly at times. Doing things for others, thinking of what they will do back for us, do in return for us. Or maybe sometimes doing to others out of spite or vengeance or anger. Or doing things only as a response to what others have done or not done for us. But may we do to others from a heart prompted by your Spirit. This week, Father, I pray that you would give us those opportunities. Father, as I was gone this week, I heard about a several families in our community who have been rocked by the death of their children in an accident. I pray, God, your comfort and peace be upon them. And I pray that the community would wrap its arms around them and love them because that's what we would want done for us. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.